And I remember looking up and I could just see all the stars in the galaxy. And I remember thinking to myself, this is where I die. This is where an alligator just comes up from underneath me and just takes me away. (laughs) That is one of my fondest memories, I think, just because it was something so wild, so adventurous, so unique. And it was with people that I had at this point spent nine months with. And we all just had this experience that we were all going to remember for the rest of our lives. Welcome back to the second episode of Adventures in Service. I'm your host, Dan Grinthal, and this is a show where we share the stories of regular people who have combined travel with service to create life-changing adventures. Autumn Fox and I shared a lot of laughs and pushed through a lot of challenges together during our time in the National Civilian Community Corps, where we served as disaster relief responders, home builders, and trail crew members, to name just a few of our projects. Autumn joins us today from Savannah to share the story of her service year specifically with us. So, Autumn, welcome to the show. Hi. Pleasure to talk with you. I know. I'm so excited. So, tell us a little bit about yourself obviously i know where you're from but tell our readers where are you from originally autumn well originally originally i'm from central georgia but i lived in savannah georgia for a long time um i lived here for probably five or six years before i did americorps uh, and then i actually ended up moving back so i'm still here so tell us what exactly is americorps and triple c and what made you want to join up So AmeriCorps NCCC is a government-funded volunteer program where basically a group of 10 to 12, 18 to 24-year-olds team up, and they are sent to a specific region. Um, Specifically, I was in the southern region, which covers Texas to Florida, up to Virginia. And you have projects that are kind of preset unless a disaster happens, and then we would do disaster relief. What made you want to join up? Why would you want to become a part of something like this? So I decided to do AmeriCorps because I was actually volunteering at the Savannah Wildlife Refuge here. Um, We were doing a volunteer hunt for uh, population control. And the rangers there kind of were telling me about different things that I could do to help my resume because I want to work in wildlife management And they talked about AmeriCorps and how they give you a school grant towards either starting school, paying off loans or anything like that. And at the time, I was in a really rough situation with school. So it sounded great. Um, And at the time, I think it was about $5,700, which is great for starting up. So they were talking about it. And basically, the projects just sounded amazing. You know, it sounded like trying to help people, but also getting to, you know, do all this variety of projects and meet all this variety of people and kind of network. And you really didn't know what you were going to do or what to expect, which was kind of nice. So I got really excited to do it. Um, I think my biggest decision on doing it was just strictly the school part. And then on top of that, the amount of people that I met and networked with, that I still continue to talk to afterwards and are helping me now afterwards is just huge for anyone who wants to move up and build their resume. I think that a lot of people, a lot of people joined up for the stipend and at the end of service, it, that was really still a big benefit. But just like you said, all the people that you met and the connections that you made turned out being 
honestly way more valuable. And I really want to get into that. But first, why don't you tell us what it was like? So you went from Savannah to your training site. I went there too. We met on the first day. <laughs> we met uh, <clears throat> when Autumn basically told me I was going shopping with them. And that was the beginning of our friendship. So why don't you tell us about training? What was it like? Well, first off, you have to do everything as a group. So that's how we ended up meeting. Because in order to take a van, you had to have so many people. And at this point, you said, like you said, it was the first day. So none of us knew each other. And I think I literally just walked past you and I was like, hey, dude, uh, we need another person. Do you want to go to Walmart with us? But then afterwards, um, because I had a totally different impression of you than who you actually are. Afterwards, I remember you would like wink at me. like, (laughs) Which I don't remember at all. He told me that. I'm like, I don't wink at people. What are you talking about? You like winked or you kind of like, I don't know, you did like this cool guy like hey kind of thing and I was just like what is up with this kid (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm very glad you didn't write me off as kind of stuck up jerk yeah like this like player I don't know it was so funny (laughs) 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 because I remember going oh what is he doing (laughs) so we were on like totally different levels but I just oh god it cracked me up and then turn you know then you end up being my best friend (laughs) first impressions can be overcome Yes. Uh, but that's pretty much explains the project, though, and, and the whole program is that you were just thrown in to all these people that you don't know from all over the place. And we actually it was Vicksburg, Mississippi is where we, our training program was. So for me, going from all the way to Savannah to Mississippi isn't huge, but it's still, you know, a completely different area. You know, you start off and you don't even meet your team. You just meet people that you are rooming with or people are on the same floor as you. And then I don't remember if it was like not until like the second or third day until you actually met your team members. And then even after that, I know for me anyways, we had a lot of team members that got swapped around. So you really didn't get into your team until your first project, which was, I believe, a month. So you did a month of training with everyone. And I want to say there was like 300 of us. Yeah. And we had all the FEMA Corps people there, too. Right. Yeah, we did do a lot of the beginning projects with FEMA, too. So that was like four to six hundred people. Yeah. And we're on this old I want to say it was like a Catholic church school campus of some sort, like a boarding school. And then we I know I had three roommates. So you're in a room with four people or three people that you don't even know. And then you share a bathroom with the next room, which is another four people that you don't know. So you're sharing a toilet, you're sharing a sink, you're sharing a shower and you all have to be up and at breakfast at 7 a.m. And you all have PT at 5 o'clock and you all have to go to dinner. Like it was very scheduled, but I feel like once you got used to it, it was actually really nice because you knew exactly what you were doing and when you were doing it. But you were still having fun because you were still learning new things and meeting all of these different characters. I mean, I know, so me and you are friends and you're on the East Coast, right? But, you know, yeah. I have good friends that are from Washington. And California, like, you know, all the way on the opposite side. And everyone was scared and everyone was nervous and everyone was unsure of themselves. And so training, even though it was kind of long and tedious, I think it really made up for it. All the fun that they kind of put into it to help us, like, get to know each other. Personally, I mean, you were in a couple classes where they really had us, like, talk about personal stuff to let us know, like, hey, you're not alone. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, those are big thing. Um, in addition to training us for the practical aspects of our projects for disaster relief and for some of the technical things that we're going to be doing construction, we did a chainsaw training day, but the big that. thing that they really tried to build into us was team building. And that, that was really uncomfortable for me. I think it was pretty uncomfortable for everybody. Uh, but you did really well with that. It turns out that, you know, a lot of us, you know, could have had like these traumatic things that happened to us, but there was actually a point in time. I remember standing in a circle and there was probably like 50 or 60 of us in a circle and they would ask us a really personal question and you would stand up if it was true for you. And I really don't think there was ever a time that less than like four or five people stood up, which is huge. Because I think that is what really got everyone in the mindset of, okay, like, even though we're all different and from different places, we're also the same. And that was really what I felt like the training was more about, was learning how to get along with each other in this Mm -hmm. next nine months. Because, yeah, it was nine, well, nine and a half months of being with the same people every day of your life for everything, whether it was working out, eating, working hanging out because you didn't have anyone else to hang out with. Cause again, you couldn't take the van unless you had so many people. Right. So that the whole month, like you learned, like you said, you know, the chainsaw and stuff like that, but that stuff's easy. It's the really trying to get along with each other and your team because you're going to be stuck together. Yeah. That was honestly the hardest and most rewarding part of it. I think for most people. Yeah. Those people are my best friends. I mean, I talk to them every day and it's been like what, three years now since we graduated. Right. You and I are still talking. We're still really great friends. We kept up. And we weren't even on the same team. <laughs> no, we weren't. I was Delta 1 and you were Delta 3, right? Yes. Yeah. Delta 1's the best. Mm. <laughs> okay, so that was training. So let's talk about your first project now. What was that like? We we were in Andrews, South Carolina. It's a really small town in South Carolina, but they actually got flooded. Um, the year before, and we were actually doing, we were with All Hands, which is now All Hearts and Hands, I believe. All Hands and Hearts. All Hands and Hearts. So yeah, it's a really good program, but we were working with them on um, mucking and gutting houses that, mind you, it had been a year since the disaster had happened. So these houses had been sitting there for a year after water damage, and they needed to be mucked and gut so that they could help rebuild for the people that were in Andrew, South Carolina. Particularly, I remember my first project was this lady's house that she was still living in. And her house had gone under, I want to say, two feet of water. And um, with flooding, you actually have to cut up, cut out two feet above the water line because of mold and such. So we basically actually, because it had been a year, had to tear down her walls completely. I want to say it was day two, I was trying to pull up subflooring and I put a nail through my hand. I remember (laughs) that, yeah. I ended up having to to go to the doctor and then I had to switch projects for a couple days. But that was probably the most AmeriCorps experience (laughs) starting in day two because I mean, it just, it just happened, you know, and it was just, you, you have to be safe. And I wasn't necessarily being the safest. Um, obviously, I'm fine. And it wasn't a big deal. But I got made fun of for the rest of the year for that. <laughs> and I'm actually looking at my yearbook and it made it in our yearbook. So it's one of the things everyone remembers, apparently. 
What do you mean by disaster? You keep saying that the teams get sent on disaster deployment. So disaster deployment is basically whenever a natural disaster happens in your region, unless you are already on a disaster deployment, you are immediately deployed to that disaster when it's safe to help organize volunteers, try and help basically make sense of everything that's going on. Because FEMA is a huge part of AmeriCorps and C as well. And FEMA is the people that actually fund and kind of take care of people whenever a natural disaster happens. So as an AmeriCorps member, you get sent out there and you could be doing, you know, you could be running the volunteers or you could be boots on the ground, basically cleaning up the mess that's happened, depending on what happened. So I know in my service, um, we had a lot of natural disasters. And personally, I helped with the Louisiana flooding. We did help a little bit with some flooding in Mississippi. And then I know I helped with a tornado in Hattiesburg, Mississippi as well. So that was obviously two different types of natural disasters that could have happened. But basically, the entire state of Louisiana had flooded within so many months, period. Um, And the biggest one was in Baton Rouge area, and it was very widespread. So I know um, we always had a team that was in Louisiana helping with that flood. And then I know too, that we also had um, a couple of projects where they're still dealing with hurricane Katrina issues. So, you know, there's definitely a lot of disaster relief and it's something you're interested in a hundred percent AmeriCorps is the way to go. And then even FEMA Corps. But it, it wasn't all disaster relief. We had other projects too. That was the great thing too, is that, yeah, there was a lot of disaster relief and there was a lot of disaster response, but it wasn't, all about that either. I would say probably half of my AmeriCorps time was spent disaster and half was spent doing other things. So I do think that they tried to give you a little bit of a break. I don't mean that it kind of sounds like um, unsympathetic when I say that, but dealing with disasters is very hard um, on everyone. And I think that sometimes when you're in a city that has had a disaster like that and you're working hard, it kind of takes a toll on you. So the good thing is that I don't think AmeriCorps ever overdid it with anyone. Like we all kind of took turns taking care of people. That was, that was hard. Besides disaster relief, what other projects did you have? Who did you work for? My projects, I did work with all hands with the disaster response from the year prior. I also worked with the city of Vicksburg Um, Habitat for Humanity, and Metro Changers, which were also all house-related. And those projects were actually based on um, helping out with low-income housing. Um, So we did painting for one. So we actually just literally painted the outside of houses. You would be surprised how much that can brighten up a neighborhood by painting someone's house. And then their next door neighbor is like, oh, wow, that looks so good. And then they paint their house and it really helps the value of the neighborhood. And it kind of has like a domino effect. Um, So we did that. There was a couple of times that we actually built wheelchair ramps for low income housings. And it was just redoing their deck and providing a ramp because someone in the house had an accident or they were just older and they couldn't afford to put in a ramp and they were having to, you know, we had one lady that had to use her back door versus her front door just because she couldn't use the steps. Um, And then there was also a lot of roofing done too. So you could say that um, I definitely learned all of the construction techniques that I could not ever do again, but 
I can definitely <laughs> say that I did it. Can you tell us about any experiences you had with some of the homeowners that you met, Autumn? We had one lady, we called it the happy house. So she wanted her house to be green. And when I say green, I don't mean like an olive green. I mean like the primary color green. And she would always come out and talk to us. And she would just talk about how we were making her house the happy house on the neighborhood. And that, I honestly, I wish I remembered her name, but she was just a blessing. She, you know, painting houses is not necessarily the like funnest thing to do and it it's very hot in Mississippi and this is in the middle like late summer probably um but I just remember her coming out and just telling us how much of a blessing we were and what we were doing was just so amazing and all we were doing was painting her house and it's just to see how it she lit up whenever she saw like the finished project um was huge for me and it kind of confirmed to me that I was doing the right thing and I was in the right program. And even after that, you know, with people, if even if I didn't get to meet the homeowner, just the people that you're working with, because you're always working with some kind of other um, program. So like when we were painting houses, we were working with the city of Vicksburg because they had gotten a grant to paint those houses. But when we were in Birmingham roofing, we were working with Metro Changers, which was a nonprofit that did low income housing uh, renovations of sorts, basically. And our lead on that project, his name was Mike. He would pretty much just give us life advice and he made sure that he trained us properly. And he was kind of like the teen dad. So like we, we loved Mike and we all still get in touch with him. And it turns out actually that he had a lot of family that was affected by the Baton Rouge flood. So it all kind of like circled and around and, you know, everyone was helping everyone. And I think that's kind of what AmeriCorps is about is like, you know, somehow we're all connected. You know, you're helping this one, so that this person so that they can help this person so that they can help this person so that they can then get their help. It's it's really crazy how much everything is connected. Yeah, it really was. That was one of the really big things about it. When we were all together, all doing something that we knew, even if it wasn't the most funnest thing in the world, like painting houses, we were all doing something that we knew was good for somebody at the end of the day. And you could see all those little networks forming. And I really, I've seldom felt that since in other places. It was really kind of an amazing experience. I I would definitely say that AmeriCorps was one of those things that I want to do it again but I also know that I wouldn't have the same experience it would always be a different experience but that's kind of the beauty of it you never know what you're going to get um but it's always going to be a learning experience and you're always going to meet amazing people and you're always going to see terrible things and you're always going to have these once in a lifetime experiences absolutely the thing about America is even when it sucks it's fantastic in ways you really wouldn't expect AmeriCorps was the worst, greatest experience of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me a little bit about the places where you stayed during your projects, because I think that's pretty interesting to people in itself. I know, especially in uh, in Birmingham, you stayed in a pretty interesting situation. 
Yeah, so we um, definitely stayed at quite a few different places. AmeriCorps gets their housing based on the project. The project kind of provides the housing, and it's really whatever they can get for free most of the time. So when we were in Birmingham, we were actually staying in kind of like the school building, I guess, of a church. So kind of like where they would have um, like Bible study and stuff for kids. This building was very um, interesting. It was a little bit scary. So it was just this old cinder block rundown church building and it had bunk beds in it, but it kind of had been used for storage as well. And I mean, it was probably definitely built in like the fifties. Um, and we didn't even have a kitchen. We had a fridge and a microwave. Um, but they did have a kitchen for us available, but you had to like go to another building. And the best part about it is that the neighborhood that we were in was not a very great neighborhood of Birmingham. Yeah. No, it was not. Um, but I actually ended up meeting the kids that lived across the street, and I became really good friends with them. And every night after work, they would bring their uh, remote control cars over, and I went and bought one for myself, and we would just play remote control cars. Um, so, yeah, I stayed in that place. And then um, our other project that we had was in Louisiana, and it was Natchitoches. It's spelled like if you were to read it, like how it sounds or spelled, it's Natchitoches, but it's pronounced Natchitoches. And that specific project, we actually got to tent camp. So we each had our own tent and they put us, we were on a plantation, which was right next to this huge farm field. And we literally just set up tents and camped right outside of their maintenance barn because the maintenance barn did have a bathroom. But that was amazing. I had never done like a long-term camping before. I think we were there for about two to three weeks. Mm. And we're getting up before the sun came up. You went to go cook your breakfast on a hot plate because we didn't have a kitchen. And then you would basically get ready in your tent because we only had one bathroom. And the maintenance workers were also getting there at the same time. So they were also using the bathroom. Um, So you'd wake up to the sunrise and you would go to bed to the sunset and it was so quiet. It was so dark out there. You could see the stars. Here, coyotes, there were, like, boar nearby. Like, we had to have, like, this mm-hmm. whole talk about safety at night because of, like, the wild animals that were nearby. And I was, to me, I thought it was crazy that they were even letting us live in tents with <laughs> all the stuff that they talked about. Because Louisiana is known for dangerous wildlife, like, hence alligators. We were right next to a, a lake. So that was one of my biggest fears. But I do remember, too, while we were there, you know, no one ever thinks about the weather and how, oh, I don't know, tornadoes can hit. So we had two tornadoes hit while we were there camping. And we had to um, basically break down our entire campsite and then all sleep in sleeping bags on the floor of this, like, maintenance shed during tornadoes on a really old plantation. (laughs) So that was definitely the best and scariest place that we stayed, but totally worth it. I mean, it was just astounding, basically, what you wouldn't know is in Louisiana. Louisiana is gorgeous. Louisiana is terrifying, but Louisiana is gorgeous. (laughs) 
So what did you do in your off time on the plantation? We had nothing to do but, like, talk to each other. <laughs> and we weren't even allowed to have campfires there because we were on a plantation ground. So I literally took aluminum foil and made, like, a, a bowl of sorts. And they had gravel, so I would use gravel to, like, weigh it down. And then we would take little tiny sticks and make these little campfires <laughs> And just hang around the campfires and talk to each other because, um, and we couldn't take the van for really personal reasons. Like it had to be um, related to work, like grocery shopping or like a team building thing. Um, so we kind of puttered around. Um, we did a lot of bike riding because luckily the plantation had some bikes that they had used for a project. So a lot of bike riding. Uh, we even did some swimming, which was really dumb. But <laughs> surprisingly, I never saw an alligator. But I do know that they were there. You, you've had a lot of possible run-ins with gators. It really should have eaten you, but didn't. <laughs> we actually, <laughs> this was our last project. So by this point, you know, we all know each other really well. And we all decided that we were going to go and jump off this old bridge that the guy who was in charge of our project said that everyone who comes to Natchitoches had to jump off this bridge. And it was right by the plantation. So we decided that we were going to break onto that bridge and we decided that we were going to jump off. So you've got me, um, a guy from New York City a girl from Maine, a girl from Tennessee, and this big black dude from Virginia. And we all decided that we were going to jump off close together, but like we didn't all jump off together. It's the middle of the night, mind you. So it's pitch black. And I remember I was one of the last ones to jump off. And I remember hitting the water and coming up and I was like, oh my gosh, like that was so amazing. And I turn around and everyone is like booking it swimming. And I was like, what's going on? And then all I hear is alligators. <laughs> and it kind of like hit me. And I realized I was like, oh, my God, like there's alligators in this water and it's nighttime. Like that's when they're most active. And so I started swimming as hard as I can. And at this point you had from the side that we jumped off on, you had to swim under the old bridge, under the new bridge. And then there was a boat ramp on the other side that you could get out on. So I remember I was just swimming and swimming and swimming and it felt like forever. And I even at one point had to stop and kind of like turn over and float because I was so out of breath. And I remember looking up and I could just see all the stars in the galaxy. And I remember thinking to myself, this is where I die. This is where an alligator just comes up from underneath me and just takes me away. <laughs> that is one of my fondest memories, I think, just because it was something so wild so adventurous so unique and it was with people that I had at this point spent nine months with um and we had had you know a lot of hard times throughout with you know team members and just with different issues going on because that's going to happen when you're spending you know nine months with 10 people and it's the same people um and I just remember that was like the one time that I felt like everyone was just like really like connected and we all just had this experience that we were all going to remember for the rest of our lives. I even remember afterwards, Tony, he was like, this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. I'm going to tell everyone about it. He goes, I can't believe I just jumped off a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> the best part about this is 
you're still working at least five days a week doing volunteer service. And in your off time, this is what you get to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was I want to say it's 1700 hours to graduate. So you're working probably a 40, 45 hour work week. And then there are requirements for AmeriCorps. I mean, and it, it makes sense. It keeps things um, it keeps you from having too much downtime because, you know, when you have 18 to 24 year olds spending a lot of time together, you don't want them to have too much downtime to do anything that can get them in trouble, like jumping off bridges. But um, <laughs> they they also had I want to say we had to do three hours of PT um, or workouts for the week that were required. And then you had to do the 80 hours throughout the whole time of your extra volunteer service. Plus you had like these special roles that you played for the team. So like I was actually the recruiter for our team. So I had to like do so many recruitment hours and I had to um, actually set up recruiting events. So you were really busy. And whenever you weren't working, you have to remember we're still like, we don't just go out to eat. Like we don't have the money for that. So you're still having to cook and everyone has to share one shower. So 10 people sharing a shower, you know, you can imagine how that goes. So there really wasn't a lot of downtime, but I will say that the downtime that we did have was very well spent. And it's where a lot of my fondest memories come from. So can you tell me a little bit more about the actual, the nuts and bolts of the living experience? What were you allowed to bring with you? What is this van thing? How did you eat? How did that work? Okay, so AmeriCorps pays or provides you with food. They provide you with travel. And then the projects or AmeriCorps will provide you with housing. You got a stipend for the entire nine and a half months of $4,000 before taxes. I honestly don't remember what that broke out to, but I want to say it was like maybe $300 every two weeks. And that was the only money of your own that you were making. Occasionally, we would have times that we would, you know, obviously spend our own money and like go do something fun. But sometimes that money really was just for if you had a special diet or you wanted a particular food or you needed shampoo and conditioner that's what that money was meant for. And then you only got so much money for the team for like groceries. So there was also like grocery planning and all that fun stuff. So every team got a van and it was a 15 passenger van. So, you know, you do the math, 12 people, 15 passenger van. There's not a lot of space. There was actually a class that I remember taking in training of how to pack a van because yep. you had so much stuff that you had to pack that weren't even your belongings in this very small amount of space. If you were lucky and you had to have a lot of equipment, you got an equipment van, but that didn't happen very often. So in the van, each person is allowed, I think it was two bags. One was a red bag, which is a glorified book bag, basically. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was bigger than a book bag, but it wasn't like, like I have duffel bags that are bigger than what that bag was. And you could get, you could have another bag that was basically a book bag. So think about flying. Like basically you could have like two carry-on size bags is what it felt like. And you had, you know, to pack your whole life in those. I remember I had my red bag and I would learn that you could roll your clothes and you could fit a lot more in there. And then I kind of cheated and I had a pillow and I would shove stuff in my pillowcase <laughs> And I would just keep my pillow on me and then no one could yell at me about it. Um, 
we had all of our bags, so 10 people, two bags, and then not to mention you had boots that did not fit in those bags, and then you had helmets, and then you had all of your PPE, which could be, you know, your gloves, goggles, earplugs, and then depending on your project, would depend on what supplies you would have to bring that they didn't provide for you. I know when we were in Baton Rouge, we slept on cots in classrooms on a, a National Guard base. So we had to pack, you know, 10 to 12 cots. You also had your food. So you had a bin full of whatever food you had had because you do not waste food at all. Nope. Because you only got so much money for groceries. Like if you had food left over, it was coming with you. $4.25 a day per team member, I think. $4.25 a day for every meal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's insane. I ate a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about our kitchen kits, which has every pot, pan, uh, silverware, like stirring spoons or anything that you would possibly need to cook with because, you know, projects usually didn't provide those either. And you just have to pack it all in this, like, very small space. For the most part, your floor of your van was just supplies. You couldn't fit it all just in the back. A lot of us were sitting next to supplies too, because, you know, that's just the AmeriCorps life. I will tell you though, I am now the designated packer of my family. (laughs) (laughs) It really, it's true. It really is true. If you go through this, you know how to pack your whole life into a very small space. I mean, this is what I used to go on my road trips around the country. I used pretty much exactly the same model that we used to pack our van. Oh yeah. I know a lot of people who actually ended up living very simple lives after AmeriCorps. Personally, I'm not one of them. I do know how to be very simple, but uh, I know one of my good friends, she actually went and traveled um, or hiked the Appalachian Trail after this. So it definitely prepares you if you're one of those people that want to live a simpler life or you want to travel on how to pack and what is a necessity and what is not. Yeah, and even if you don't necessarily want to live the rest of your life living out of a suitcase, totally get that. makes you thankful and appreciative for having your 600 square foot studio bedroom when you get out of there. Literally me right now. <laughs> I yeah. have a studio apartment and I'm telling you, I it feels like it's so much space. When you go from sharing a 200 square foot closet with someone <laughs> to having your own place. So I think it definitely also helped me like appreciate everything that I have as well. Okay, so now you've told us a lot of really great stories, and I know you have so many more. But if you had to leave us with one lesson from your AmeriCorps experience, what would it be? One lesson from AmeriCorps that I left with is just because the world is diverse doesn't mean that you guys can't learn or compromise to get along. I had many experiences with team members that it was strictly just a diversity issue where we just grew up differently and you learn to work through it. I mean, unless you plan on, you know, living or working out in the woods alone, that can help everyone in every instance because most of us are dealing with other people no matter what job we do. And it just gives you such a better understanding of where people are coming from and how to understand 
how they may live differently or they may think differently. And that's okay. We can still come to the same conclusion, even though we're different. Um, I work in customer service and I think that it's given me such a better positive impact on my job and how I talk to people and how I treat people and understand people. Dan, you muted yourself. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) This is only my second podcast. Give me a break. I was like, I see your mouth moving. I don't see, I don't hear you. (laughs) What I was saying was, Autumn, this has been a pleasure. How can other people find out more about this? If they want to get involved with AmeriCorps since they've listened to your story and they're like, wow, this is the raddest thing ever and I want to do it, where do they go? So it should be AmeriCorps.gov. And you pretty much just fill out an application based on the program that you want to do. Because like we talked about, there are a ton of different types of programs. Do your application and then reach out. And um, other than that, you like you said, you only have to be 18 to 24. It's pretty much the only requirement. As long as you're willing to up and leave your life and go live a different one, uh, there's not much that requires. Autumn, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. My guest today was Autumn Fox. Head over to nationalservice.gov to learn more about the NCCC and AmeriCorps. Maybe send the site to a young person you know who's itching for an adventure with a cause. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with someone else who you think would get something out of it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.